Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is with Pastor Michael Hernandez of Reclaim Church in Huddle, Texas. You know, he's a son of the house. He's a pastor in our fellowship. And this message is called Our Greatest Impact. You know, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount. Also, be sure to check out our website, praisechapelparamount.com. It's loaded with information, tons of resources. It's constantly being updated. Enjoy this message. How are you guys doing today? You doing good? Yeah, so my family and I were out there in, in Hutto, Texas, and when people say, well, where's Hutto at? Um, I try to tell them, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? It's, we're right by Austin, and uh, right outside of Austin, we're about 30 minutes from downtown. And man, God has been moving in such an amazing way in our church. Um, we're not about numbers, but numbers do say something. And when you see church growth, um, God's doing something so special in our church. We, we're seeing people come and get delivered. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing people get saved. It's, it's just an amazing time. Uh, to, it's, it's a privilege to do what we do. And uh, I just want to give the Lord some, some glory for that today. And as we were singing that song, I, I, all the angels cry out, holy is the Lord. All the earth replies, holy are you. I kind of just had this moment, and, and I'm going to get into the word a little bit. I'm not going to take too much time. But I had this moment where it's like, there's this... There's this, what we live for, what we live for is not just what is done on the earth, right? The things that we do in our life, it's not just about how much money that you can make. It's not about what schools your kids are going to go to and what career you're going to have in your life. Although there's nothing necessarily wrong with all of those things. But at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before the Lord. At the end of the day, we're going to have that moment where the earth, the entire earth, all of creation, every, every, every Christian, every atheist, every other religion is going to look to Jesus and say, oh my goodness, holy are you. We're all going to have that moment, but there will be a moment of either terror, of terror where it's like, oh my gosh, I missed it. Or there's going to be a moment of, oh my gosh, I made it. I made it. I'm able to stand in the presence of God and cry out what the angels have been crying out for all of eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And this is what we live for. We, we, could, we, can, put any, we can put everything else around it and you can, you can strive for different things in your life throughout your entire life. But at the end of the day, you're gonna, you're gonna be held accountable for the time that you spent on the earth. Whether you did it for the Lord or you did it for yourself, you're gonna be held accountable for what you have done, as will I. Now it's like, man, this guy's kind of kind of serious. Huh? I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get into the word and we're gonna talk about something, but, but this is the message. This is what I came to speak on. At the end of your days, what can you say about your life? What kind of impact did you have on people at the end of it all? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is like his son. And he's writing to Timothy. And Paul has gone through many things. He, and, and we know the story of Paul. Most of us do. He, he, he founded a lot of churches in the New Testament. He's, he's a heavy writer in the New Testament. A lot of our, our belief system, a lot of what we, where we stand on, on salvation comes from the writings of Paul. And he's one of my favorite writers. He's, he's the, you know, it's funny when you, when you begin to read Paul, he's so poetic. 
it's isn't it crazy like how poetic he is the words he uses it's just this it's like this beautiful like oh my gosh like he gets you emotional it's crazy how, how Paul can write and he's writing to Timothy and he's he's accomplished much and he's been through a lot he's been in prison he's been he's been beaten he's been he's been he's been shamed he's been humiliated but he he has he has also done a lot of good things he's built churches he's built disciples he's he's pursued the mission of Christ that that Jesus put on his life when he when he met him at the road to Damascus and he, and he knocked him off his horse in that moment Paul Paul changes course and begins to pursue this mission that Jesus calls him to but in this writing he understands that he's coming to the end of it he, he, he's, he's coming to the end of it all. His life is beginning to, he, he, it's like he, he's right there. And he writes this to Timothy. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. At the end of his days, he's writing to Timothy. He says, I've done the best that I could. I gave it my all. I did everything possible. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith through everything that I went through, through everything that I fought against. One thing that I kept, I kept the faith. Finished. Timothy, I'm going. And in 2 Timothy, he begins to write to Timothy. He's giving them this advice on how to run the churches and how to, how to really, how to disciple people. But I was, I was reading this scripture and I wasn't even putting a sermon together. I was just reading scripture and the Lord began to speak to me and I began to get convicted because I began to think of all the time that I've wasted. All the time that I've wasted. And I began to pray, Lord, if there's one thing at the end of my days, I want to be able to say that I fought the good fight. I want to be able to say that I finished the race, that I did my best, that I, that I did the very best that I could. But how do we do this? It's not just about well, how much you pray and how much you read and how good of a person you are. All those, all those things should be tied into your Christianity. If you're a Christian and you're not a good person, I don't know. I think you need to figure out your, your belief system there, right? All those things are good. But what was Paul leaving behind? Paul was leaving behind Timothy. Paul had lived his life in a way that he was able to invest into somebody else to continue the mission. I, I think about um, my, my time here. Now, again, I, I, th I think about when we ran the young adult ministry and, and I, I I'm telling my wife this often. I say, man, I wish I, wish I would have had my mindset that I have now back then. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, I think of all the people that I missed out on, that I should have invested in, that I didn't that I didn't, I could have done better. I could have done better, right? And I think about this and, and but when I was here, I look at, I look at David, but David and Daniel are absolutely killing it on their instruments. I'm like, who is this guy? They're doing such an amazing job. But I remember, I remember back in the day when I was here playing drums and Justin was here and, and I don't like to say that I taught Justin, but I guess he, you know, he was there with me and I taught him a little bit of stuff. And so when I left, Justin took my spot because there was an investment of time. When Justin left, David took his spot because there was an investment of time. Whenever we're leaving somewhere, we should leave with some investment. When we're talking about ministry and people, we should leave with some investment of people. So Paul was leaving behind an investment, an investment that he put into Timothy. 
There's a quote by Pastor Craig Rochelle. He's a great leadership teacher. And he says this. He says, leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. If all you, as a leader, if all you want is followers, you've missed it. Because I don't want people just to follow me for the sake, so that I can say, oh, I have a following. I don't want that. We want to build people so that they could, they can also lead other people. Amen. There's, a, there's another pastor by the name of Pastor Kobe Bryant. No, I mean, he's not a pastor, but, but man, I, do I miss him, man. That was, I don't want to talk about it. He says, the most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they could be great in whatever they do. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's a legacy. It's leaving behind an investment into somebody else to continue the mission. To continue the mission. See, the, the, the problem is some of us, some of us are not even committed to the mission. So how can we invest into somebody to be committed to something we're not committed to? You, you, can, can I say, can I tell you why people get bored with church? Can I? Okay, I was making sure. People get bored with church because they think that the church is the mission. Church ministry is not the mission. It is the equipping to do the mission. Church leadership is not the mission. Just to get a position in your church should not be the mission of your life. That's equipping to fulfill the mission. The mission that we have been given by Jesus is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the mission that we have been given. But within that mission, even Jesus says to invest. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How can you teach someone to obey something you don't understand? And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. This is what Jesus did. It was this investment from person to person. Can I tell you that one investment can change generations? If you'd be willing to invest in one person, you can change multiple generations. I don't know if you know my family background. I'm sure my brother's talked about it. My brother is David Diga Hernandez. Everybody's like, is that your brother? Yes, he's my brother. Okay. You look just like him. And when I worked for the minute, when I was answering phones, every phone call, is this David? <laughs> you sound like him. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I get that a lot. But our, our family, this, this is our family history. My, I don't know how far up it was, but I think it was our second to great-grandfather, so great-great-grandfather, maybe a little bit further up than that. He was actually a warlock. Isn't that crazy? Like, our family was involved in witchcraft. Like, think about that. My grandma would tell me stories that her and her sister used to open and close cabinets with their minds. Scary, huh? <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> it's a Halloween message. But that's our family history. But there was somebody who was willing to invest in my grandparents. And because there was an investment in my grandparents, it changed and shifted a family line and shifted generations. And so now we don't have witches and warlocks, but we have pastors, missionaries, and evangelists within our family. 
And that, that's not because we're some great family. We're, we're not, there's nothing special about us. It's that we were invested into by somebody else. Investment will change family lines. Investment will change lifetimes. It will change generations. This is your greatest impact. The greatest impact you can have is not what position you can get into in life, but who you can invest into. This is the opportunity that each one of us have. It's person to person. This is how the message continues to go forward. The, the gospel cannot stop with my generation. It cannot stop with the generation after me. It must continue to go on, but it goes on through investment of people. Colossians 1, 28 through 29 says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, they may, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We must teach them. We must admonish them so that we can see others be mature in their relationship with Christ. This is an investment Investing, but investment comes when we invest into faithful people. Investing into faithful people. This is a challenge that, that Paul is, is challenging Timothy to do. Find somebody and invest. What I taught you, find faithful men and teach them. It's this discipleship multiplication. And we must do the same thing. But we cannot invest with an empty heart. You can't invest in somebody if your life is empty. Amen? We, we must be filled with something, right? Now, listen, I'm, I'm all for reading books. I'm not a great reader. I don't read a whole lot of books, but, you know, when I'm in that mode, that, you know, you get that mode, you're inspired. I'll pick up a book every now and then, you know? And I get it, reading books is good and, and, and studying, that's all great. That's what we need to do. But we, as, as, as spiritual leaders, as Christians, we Christians in this place, right? As Christians, we can not only be filled with knowledge. We cannot only be filled with, with, with things that we hear. We must be filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit must be in us. If we want to be spiritual leaders, we have to be spiritually filled. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm just making sure we're all in this. We're all, we're all, in, you know, we're all together in this. I want to, I want to, I want to be able to communicate this with you because it's so, it's so vital, not just for church growth, although that is something that comes out of it. It's vital that the gospel continues, especially today when the culture is so against Christianity, when the culture is so against what we believe. Today, it's time, guys, to take this seriously, to stop just sitting on the sidelines. God has called you to invest into somebody else, but you cannot invest what you do not have. How can I invest into somebody when I am empty myself? I must be filled. This is discipleship pouring into the lives of somebody else. Philippians 2.17 says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming for your, from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. This pouring out of yourself. Can I, can I tell you when it comes to discipleship and discipling others, it's a risk. It's risky. 
you, you know, the truth is about ministry. And I've been, I, I was doing, we did youth ministry. We started when we were alive. I, mean, I, I don't know, we're super young. I don't know why they let us do it, but we did it. <laughs> and then we went to leadership in the youth and we went to young adults when we had just gotten married. And we did young adults for five years. And then we went out and we did, um, we, we, we're pastoring, that's what we're doing now. And um, can I tell you the, the, the hard truth about investing in people is it hurts. It's, it's risky because you will pour out your entire life to somebody just for them to sit in front of you and tell you how bad of a person you are and how bad of a leader you are. It will happen. You can do the very best that you can for somebody else and they will turn their back on you. There's no hurt like church hurt because church hurt comes from people who are selfless. You want to give and give and give, but the one you're giving to will not always return that. That's the risk. That's the risk. There's a risk in my church. I understand this. There's a risk that all the people we're pouring into today, they may one day leave. I may say something dumb on the mic like I often do, and they may get offended and go. I hope that never happens. But I've been in church long enough to understand that investing in people is risky, and this is why we won't do it. Because I'm too afraid to put myself out there. I'm too afraid to be vulnerable with somebody else because if I'm vulnerable with them, I've done it before and I've been hurt before. I've been broken before. I've been betrayed before. Does this sound familiar? Have you ever experienced something like this where you've given, given, and you all you do is give and you're expecting just a little bit of something and they turn their back on you? Guys, listen, I know this sounds like, man, this is, this is crazy. That is the reality of investing in people. That's the reality of it. But you know what I've come to the conclusion of in all of this is that even in my investment of people, Although I love them, it's not for them. I don't invest in people just because I love people. I invest in people because I love God. And if I want God to receive the, the reward of his sacrifice, if I want many to come to Christ, then I have to invest into somebody else because I'm, I'm telling them, listen, the Lord loves you. He loves you. You're called. You're called. You're forgiven. Let them be restored so that they can continue the message so that one day, one day we can stand before the Lord and I can say, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. I did what I could. I invested in somebody else. But listen, when you're investing into people and all you want is their praise and their affirmation and all you want that all you want from them is, is, man, thank you so much. You changed my life. You want that long Instagram post. You know what I'm talking about? If that's the only reason you're investing into people, can I tell you something? You're going to be empty. You're going to be let down because even when those things come, it does not satisfy. It's not worth that. Can I tell you, investing in people is not worth the glory that you can get. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm glad this is speaking to this corner right here. I'm kidding. I'm like, we should have a Bible study afterwards. Talk about this a little bit more. My, my reward is that I please him. That's my reward, that I please him. So when somebody says to me, you're a bad leader, you were never there for me, when I'm like, dude, I, I give you my whole life pretty much. You know what I do? I love you. It's okay. 
Because I didn't do it for you. I did it for him. And if I'm pleasing him, then I'm satisfied, then I'm happy, then I'm full of joy. Because that's what it comes down to. But, but when, when, when leader, it's funny because we, we, we always put ourselves in these, in these messages of the leader, right? Of the one investing. But can I tell you something about discipleship? Is it takes one to make one. You cannot make a disciple if you are not a disciple yourself. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Even Jesus, when he was on the earth, what was he saying? I'm here to do the will of my Father. I'm not here for my own will, but I'm following his. And Jesus saying, well, as I follow him, you follow me. And as he follows Jesus, I follow him. I don't follow any man. I only follow God. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I have, I have this. Yeah, I get it. Okay, I understand. All right, I get it. All right. You fast 24-7. I understand. All right. You're super spiritual. I understand. But you still need someone to disciple you. You still need someone to watch over your life. And you may say, well, nobody's really there for me. Okay, we're going to get into it right now, right? We need some music up here to make you like somber and a little bit. Come on. You may, nobody's really there for me. Pastor Omar, you didn't call me on my birthday. What is, I'm not coming back to Paramount. I'm going to go to another church that they remember birthdays. They give out birthday cards. I'm going to go to that one. We get offended, right? Well, nobody's there for me. Nobody talks to me. Nobody, nobody pays attention to me, but we're the ones that sit in the back and then leave right after church. Or when somebody comes up to us, we're like, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Are you the type of disciple that you would want to lead? Are you the type of person that you could say, man, I want to invest in that one? Because Paul, listen, listen, Paul doesn't say invest in anyone. He doesn't say invest in everyone. He says invest in faithful ones. Are you one that is that you would invest into yourself? Can I tell you the disciples that are the hardest to invest in? The ones that you sit down with and you talk to them about things and they go, oh, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you know, why are we here? <laughs> why are we sitting here? If you know it all, the know-it-alls are super hard to invest into. The ones that say, hey, pastor, I'm not really here to ask for your advice. I'm just here to let you know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> Could have sent me an email, but all right. You know, I, I already know what I need to do. I just want to make sure that you're okay with what I'm going to do. Are you teachable? Or do you already know? Are, look, can I, can I ask you something as a disciple? This is for the disciples here. If, if this is not you yet, that's all right, you'll get here. Are you willing to change the course of your life from the advice from your pastor? Not, I'm not saying that your pastor is God. I'm not saying that, not at all. But there's a reason that you're here. And there's a reason you're under an authority. If you don't like authority, I'm sorry, the Bible talks about it. It speaks on authority in the church. If you don't like that, you, I don't know what to tell you. But there's a reason we're under somebody. 
There's a reason that God places people in our lives. Can I tell you, I wanted to start a church like three, three or three or what was it, like five, three years, I don't know, before I got sent out. <laughs> How dumb was I, right? I sat with Pastor Omar. I said, Pastor Omar, I know that I'm called to go. I need to go. He's like, hmm, well, no. <laughs> it's not the time yet. But imagine if I would have went and I said, hey, Pastor Omar, um, I already heard from God and um, he told me that I'm gonna go. And so I'm gonna go whether you bless it or not because I know this is the will of God. It sounds right. It sounds spiritual, but it's rebellious. It's rebellious because that waiting period that I had before we left, God showed things about my life. He revealed things about the darkness of my heart that I didn't see before in that moment. So that authority in my life that caused me to shift directions from where I thought I was supposed to go, the authority that God placed in my life changed it so I didn't go through what I probably would have went through if I would have overstepped what I should, where I should have gone. Is it making sense today? The authority that God has placed over your life is a good thing. You know what I told Pastor Omar when I was 16 years old? I sat with him and I said, Pastor Omar, you tell me whatever you want me to do. If you think I'm doing something wrong, you let me know. If you want to talk to me about something that, that I said, you let me know. I will follow your advice. I want to be a disciple. That's what I told him. And I almost regret it just a little bit because <laughs> there's a lot of things that I was like, I don't know about that one, Pastor Omar. But I did him because I was a disciple. Even in the youth ministry, remember when, when Pastor Angel Flores left and all, 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 all the youth, we thought we were going to die. We were, we were, I don't know what we were supposed to do. We were just, oh God, we're just, you know. Well, and then I got, I'm with, in Texas with Angel, so, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I remember when he left and then Hector, Pastor Hector came in and took over. Pastor, can I tell you something? Pastor Hector was my friend. He was my peer. But you know what I told him as my leader? I said, hey, I know we're friends but you're my leader. And whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm gonna do it. That seems crazy. I understand that not everybody's gonna do that, but that's, that's discipleship. Trusting somebody, trusting the authority that God has placed over your life and saying, you teach me, you show me. I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm gonna go to you and ask for some spiritual guidance and advice. But you know what a good pastor, and I know Pastor Omar would do this, you know what a good pastor will do? When you go to him with, with tough things, he's gonna say, this is my advice, this is what I think you should do, but you need to go pray about it. We'll pray about it and we'll talk about it. Because a, a good pastor is not controlling. One of my, one of my friends, a pastor friend of mine, he says that a good leader is, is, is a covering, not a lid. You have a covering. You don't have a lid in this church. It's okay to be a disciple here. It's okay to be under some authority in your life, amen? Are you the type of disciple that you would want to lead? This is the investment of people. And I'm, I'm coming to a close here. If I can get um, Daniel. I'm like, David, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I know, I know. Maybe Omar, if you want to come up to you. <laughs> I guess you guys don't really need Omar anymore. You got Daniel now. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I love Omar to death. 
You guys got to hurry so I can get to this point. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, man, this is so fun. It's, it's this investment. And, and if you're willing to not just invest, but to be invested into, can I tell you something, guys? We will change generations. What stops the gospel is the pride of man. I don't want to be the one that stops the gospel. I don't want to be the one that thinks I'm too good. I'm too, I'm too spiritual. So I, Pastor Mark, you're just not on my level, right? Well, how dare you? What is wrong with you? No, I've been placed under here, under the spiritual authority. Pastor Omar, I trust you. I still call him for advice. And then he'll say, well, let's pray about it. I'm like, well, I need to say something. Well, I need an answer. <laughs> but that's the trusting of a good leader. Figure it out. You have good leaders in this church. You do. But you would never know it until you put down your pride and allow someone to lead you. Really lead you. Not just the talks and you say, you say, oh, they know, you know what they're supposed to hear. You know what sounds good. Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, but you don't ever do it. Trust your leaders because then we'll change generations. It's the passing of the message because at the end of the day, guys, at the end of the day, we're going to stand before the Lord. What did you do with the message of Jesus? We must invest into others so that the message can continue on. It's, it's, it's teaching generations and generations. In Joshua chapter 4, they set up this memorial. I believe they crossed the Jordan River and they set up this memorial. And he says, we're going to do this so, so that generations could remember what God did here. This is the investment that I'm going to invest in somebody else so that they can teach somebody else so that they can see what God has done. Are you investing into anybody today? Are you investing into your families? Are you investing into your kids? Fathers, it is not the youth leader's job to disciple your children. Husbands, your pastor should not be the only covering of prayer over your house. Are you investing into your family? What do you teach your kids about Jesus? How do you teach them with, not just with words, but the way that you love your wife and the way you love your husband, the way that you treat them? This is investment. This is investing into people, into generations. You know what's crazy is that 70 to 75% of Christian youth are gonna leave the church after high school. That's, that's a, that's, that's, I'm not gonna say the word, you know, that's a stat. <laughs> 70 to 75% of the, the, the Christian youth will leave the church after high school. Do you know why? Because there's no investment. We, we shove our kids in the back room and say, hey, just go put on veggie tails. <laughs> I don't know if that's still a thing. That was a thing for me. Just, go, go, go back. To, we got to, no, no, invest in your kids. My greatest example was not my youth leader. It was my father. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing today was not because, and I did have great leaders, I had a great pastor, but it's because I had a good father at home and I had a good mom. 
fathers, our husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, you have that power to shift that statistic. Older, older generation leaders, you have the power to change that within our youth by investing in people, by investing in youth have value. Our youth have value. The youth ministry is important. It matters that it's here. It's, it matters that we invest. It cannot die with us. At the end of my days, when I'm done, I don't know when that will be, when I'm done with it all, I wanna be able to say that I fought the good fight, that I finished the race, that I kept the faith. I wanna be able to say that the message that I heard, I passed on from generation to generation to generation through the investment of people. Amen. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes this morning. talked about the message, the gospel message. What we believe is that Jesus came to the earth. He was, he was one with God for all eternity, from the beginning of time. And this moment in time, Jesus sees that the world is full of sin. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died or Christ came. He came to the earth while we were sinners, while the world was lost. And Jesus comes to the earth and he lives a sinless, perfect life. Never does anything wrong. Spotless lamb. And scripture tells us that after three years of ministry, after years of ministry of his life, he goes, he heals people, he casts out demons, he, he provides food in, in miraculous ways, he does signs and wonders preaches the good news, talks about the kingdom of heaven and, and he mentions hell and he talks about eternity and he teaches all these things and then Jesus is, is sent to the cross and he's whipped and he's spit on, he's, he's humiliated. There's a crown of thorns, thick, long thorns crushed into his head. He's put on the cross. He's put on the cross. And on that cross, the weight of the sin of the world rests on his shoulders. And he gives up his life, he gives up his spirit, and he dies. The, the significant, one of the most significant things is he shouts to the Lord, he says, why have you forsaken me? For all eternity, one with God, and in that moment, forsaken because of our sin. And he's raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit three days later. And he, he talks and he meets the disciples and he, he walks around and, and lives a little bit of life and, and proves the power of God through his resurrection. And the Bible says that he ascended to heaven. So that means that Jesus is still alive today. He's still alive. But the reason he did all this, the reason he went through all this was so that you can be saved. Because it doesn't matter how good of a person or, a, or how bad of a person you are, there's nobody good enough to be in heaven. 
There's not one person that is perfect enough to be connected with God. The Bible says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. And so Jesus died on the cross and took our punishment of sin and gave us the opportunity to know him, to be saved. And so I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. I don't know where you're at in your church life, in your regular life. I don't know. But today, maybe you're not walking with Jesus. Maybe you haven't accepted this free gift of salvation. And today you want to give your life to the Lord. Saying, man, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living my, doing my own thing. I want to live for the Lord. I want, to, I want to be saved today. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Put it up in the air. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. The Lord is speaking to you. He's talking to you. So lift your hand. You're not saved. You're not living for God. You're living for yourself. Just raise your hand. My man, I don't see any hands. That's all right. Today I talked about investing in people. There's a few things that you can respond to. One, maybe you haven't been investing into people and you're saying, man, I need to start doing that. Or maybe you, you've been investing into people, but you've been really hurt by others. And so it's caused you to back out a little bit or caused you to be a little bit insecure about your leadership or your, your investment. Or maybe, honestly, let's, let's be real here. Maybe you're just, you're, you're not the faithful person. And you're saying, man, I, I wanna be a disciple and I wanna change that about me. Any of those three things, or maybe you're saying, man, I need to shift the, the, the generations of my family. I need to make a difference in my home. I need to be a better father, a better husband, a better mother, a better wife. If that's any of those four apply to you, could you just lift your hand and say, man, that's me. I need to make some changes. That's me, I need to make some changes. Anybody? Amen, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.